It's God's light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine. As children, we were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. That's a big day. Mothers have such powerful voices in our lives, don't they? You know, uh, I'm grateful for the mother of my children. And uh, today I, I got to experience a little bit of the, of the power of Mother's Day because last night about, well, but last night about 10 o'clock, I started getting text messages from my kids. I was in the stream of they were texting each other and saying, hey, we're going to get up at 6.30 and make mom breakfast. And I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, whatever. I have all teenagers in my house, you know, and they're going to get up on their own. But sure enough, man, about 6.30, the smell of pancakes and eggs and uh, that's wafting through the house. And they got up on their own. That's the power of mom right there. Uh, but, you know, when I think about my mom, you know, I'm the youngest of five. And so, um, you know, being the youngest, you get the shaft on pictures. So I don't have any record of this, but I can remember uh, my mom uh, getting us ready for church. Uh, you know, uh, we had the little bow tie. You went through the bow tie phase as a little kid, you know, and she was always, hey, we got to get ready for church. And, uh, and my whole life, uh, you know, I didn't know you could miss church when I was growing up. I didn't realize that was an option. And so, because we were going to church every, every week, and that was how it rolled at our house. But my mom got me ready. But I'm not just talking about getting me dressed. You know, I'm grateful for a mother that walked with Jesus and got me ready for church. You know, she shaped me as a, as a, as a person, as a man, as a, as a believer. You know, my mom's in her 80s right now, and, and uh, she was a dental hygienist. That was her career forever. And, and, um, and all my life, I heard my mom praying for people, for her dentist. She worked for the same dentist for, I don't know, 30-something years. And her dentist has never come to faith in Christ. And my mom constantly prays, prays for him. You know, in her 80s, she still goes and, and works uh, when she's called in as a dental she'll, They'll call her and say, would you come and fill in? And my mom will go, and I'd say, Mom, you're, you're 82. You don't have to be a hygienist anymore. And she's like, well, I'm just praying for Dr. Freeman. I'm praying he comes to Christ. I may, maybe I can witness to him again. I'm like, Mom, you're a champ. My mom's a champ when it comes to sharing her faith. Right now, she and my sister are praying about starting a Bible study with uh, people that live around them because there's a bunch of people that don't go to church. My mom's like, she's a witness. And I love that about my mom. I love it that my mom got me ready for church. And, and today, we're, we're continuing the series in Acts. And we're in Acts chapter 8. And, and I, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Because we're, we're, we've been walking through this, this part of the Scriptures, part of Acts, where, where the church is called out. And, and you know, that, that's something I pray we all understand, that, that we are called out by God to go into a, the place where we're planted. That God in His wisdom, in His understanding, has planted us here. 
we find ourselves in, in Owasso, in Tulsa, and, and we live in all these suburbs around here, and, we, and every day we infiltrate all the businesses and the schools all over this place, and we rub shoulders with people that don't know Christ, and, and we've got to understand that the church is called out. Now, we've been looking at Philip. Last week, we started looking at him, and it's important that we recognize that Philip is a layman. He's a deacon in the church. He's not a preacher. He's a layperson, and, and he's called by God to, to share the gospel, and he gets it, and he, and he goes to, uh, to Samaria. And now what they're, what they're doing right here in Acts 8 is, is they are literally fulfilling the commands of Christ, the very words of Jesus in Acts 1-8 when he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and right now, in Acts 8, the church is being persecuted because Stephen had just gotten killed. The apostles, they are being beaten. They've been beaten a couple times. They, they have been arrested a couple of times, and, and persecution is ramping up against the church. And what they do is they scatter. But when they scatter, they don't, they're not fleeing, running away necessarily. They're going to places. And as they go, they're telling people about Jesus boldly and passionately. And so it's inspiring as you look at Philip as he's called out. Acts chapter 8 is that we, 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 we saw last week how, how God was using Philip in this supernatural way. And Peter and John come and, they, and the Holy Spirit falls on these people and God is at work, and then Acts chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to verse 26, and let's stand together and read God's word this morning. Acts 8, Luke writes, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And this is a desert place, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was re reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, um, what I love about Philip, I love his urgency. I love the fact that Philip is 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 burdened to share the gospel his life was transformed by jesus his life was changed by christ and then he sees 
he sees the, the, the Holy Spirit come and God's doing incredible things and he can't stop speaking about Jesus. Now this, the, we, we see in Philip, he's this evangelist, but I, we got to recognize and we got to keep in mind he's a layman. And this is important for us because as, as, the, as we are called to share the gospel in this place, it's not just my job to share the gospel, it's all of our job. It's my job as your pastor and the pastors that serve here to equip you for the work of ministry. That every day we infiltrate places all over this city. And folks, all around us are people that need Christ. And it's my prayer, just like my mom would get me ready for church, and just like as I grew up, my mom got ready, got me ready, as I watched her, as I watched that urgency in her life, as I, as I experienced a life growing up where my dad was a coach, my mom was a dental hygienist, we had people in our home, my parents were talking about Jesus, were sharing the gospel praying for people to be saved, and that's the home I grew up in. And you know what it has done? It has gotten me ready for life. And this is my prayer for us as a church, that we recognize that God has planted us around people that desperately need Christ. And it's up to us to, to share the gospel. And as you look at this, look at, look at verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, if an angel ever shows up at your house and says to go somewhere, what do you do? You go, by golly, you go. And that's exactly what Philip did. He went. It was a desert place. He, in verse 27, I looked at, I love that. And he rose and went. The angel said to him, hey, Philip, you got to go. And you know what Philip did? He showed up. He showed up and, and went. Now, folks, it's my prayer today that we get ready. Point number one, if you're following, I only have two points today. Don't worry, I'm going to preach the whole time. So, um, but, um, but I only have two points, kind of. And, um, but point number one is this, we've got to get ready to show up. You know what breaks my heart about believers? I know so many believers that are silent about their faith. That when it comes to uh, serving the Lord where they're planted, they don't show up. And folks, we are called to show up to share the gospel. We're called to, to show up and, and to follow the Lord and do what he has said and recognize that, it's up, that, that God is equipping us to share the gospel with people around us. And I love it how Philip's like, man, I'm showing up. And what's interesting to me is he shows up, he, 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 he goes to this desert place, not one that you think, oh, man, this is a great spot to be. I'm in a desert place. Go to God, go, go to the... Um, uh, go to, to the, down from Jerusalem to, to Gaza. It's a desert place. And he rose and went. And look, there was this Ethiopian there. And, and he shows up. And he sees this Ethiopian. And, and what does he do? I love the heart of Philip because he's burdened. He's, he's looking. He's attentive. He's like, God, what do you have for me? And so often we enter our day and we're not attentive. At, at God, what do you have for us today? One of my I want to remind you of something. If you were here on the, in January, we talked about this challenge of getting up every day and saying, God, here I am. I'm ready to serve you. And this is who I, what I pray we do every day. Lord, I am attentive. I'm alert. Philip shows up. He's alert. He sees this Ethiopian. And you know what? I love it. He, he goes to him. He sees him and runs to him. 
You know, it's interesting to me. Uh, I think sometimes we forget that every person needs Jesus. You know, I think we forget that sometimes. Do you know that every person in our lives, every person around us needs Jesus? And we, we've gotten a little soft as, as believers because we live in this culture of, oh, we don't want to offend anybody, right? Oh, I don't want to, um, you know, have any conflict with anybody. Remember when we used to sing those songs as a kid? If you grew up in church, we'd sing those songs, Onward Christian Soldiers, remember? You know, we'd sing Marching As to War. We've gotten a little pansified here, if that's a word. I don't know if that's a word, but, but, um, but, but we need to toughen up a little bit. You know, we've we got to recognize that everyone around us needs Jesus. We forget that sometimes. See, Philip, in this setting, he didn't, he didn't forget that. He knew everybody needs Christ. This Ethiopian, he's in his chariot. I got I to go talk to him. Folks, sometimes we're silent about this. We forget the fact that, that people need Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, I was in New York City at a conference, and, and, and it was so interesting. New York City is such an interesting place. Great place to visit. Not sure I want to live there. But, but, you know, it was so interesting as I was walking around, and I'm on Wall Street and looking at, at all these uh, this hub of financial security. You know, and, and it, it's interesting as you look at all the money and, and the wealth that's around there, the cost of living in Manhattan and, and, and just the price of things. And I, I, was on this, I was going to this conference at this church and, and this guy drove by in a Bentley and I was looking to see who he was, you know, because he had to be, I mean, I can't even afford to park in Manhattan, much less drive a Bentley and park that in Manhattan. And, and I thought, man, who is that dude? He's got to be famous. I didn't recognize him, but I had my selfie ready just in case. But, um, but, but you know, uh, I, was, I was in this city with all this money. And you look at New York City, we were down on Broadway, and, and, and famous people are all over the place. But yet you can't help but notice the emptiness, the, the, the fact that that stuff doesn't work. And see, folks, we live in a world that people need Jesus. And we forget that sometimes. People are following themselves, their own idea of, of happiness and fulfillment. And guess what? That doesn't work. We work with people and live next door to people and, and, are, and are, have family members that, that are following themselves, and that just doesn't work. People are following society as, as hey, the, the society as a whole will lead me in the right direction. And folks, that doesn't work either. The only thing that works is the Savior, Christ. And this is why we cannot forget that everyone around us needs Jesus. And, and, and here's another thing I don't want us to forget, and we see this right here. The Holy Spirit provides opportunities and and every day we have opportunities to to follow the spirit of God and and right here you see this angel says to Philip I want you to go and as he goes the Holy Spirit opens a door and here's the reality all around us the Holy Spirit is at work I mean here's the thing God was at work in the life of this Ethiopian before it crossed Philip's mind can I help you see those of us that know Christ as Savior, that when we go to work and, and we start praying for people around us or praying for our neighbors, you know that that started with God, not you. That God's at work in the lives of people and we sometimes 
don't even know all the ways that God's working. What I love about Philip is he shows up, verse 27, and he rose and went. And there was this Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and, and was returning, seated in his chariot, reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And I, and I, and I love this because look, look at how this man is identified. He's called an Ethiopian. And, and, and you know, it's not the Ethiopia that we know today, but, but it was from the area of Sudan, but he was an African, and, and he was uh, noticeably different. But that didn't stop Philip from saying, hey, I'm going to go. Sometimes we see people, oh, they're different than us. They don't want to hear from us. But that's not true. Philip didn't do that. Scripture says he was a eunuch. Now, that's kind of an uncomfortable word for half the crowd today. Um, now, it's an important word, not one that we should overlook. Now, I'm not being crude, but, but it was, you know what a eunuch is, right? Uh, it, it, it's someone who was castrated. That's, what he, that's why it's uncomfortable for half the room. Um, but in the first service, when I, made, I said that, and one guy said, amen. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm not sure that guy said amen the day he said, okay, come on, sign, time to be a eunuch now. Um, but, but Luke's not pointing out his disability. You know what he's doing? He's helping us see his status. This was an important guy. Like, because it was customary in this time that, that um, if you were going to be elevated to a high position among royalty, especially royal ladies, they would castrate you because that was, you were no longer a threat sexually to them, and you could serve without being a threat. And so it really was a, a, a statement of his status. This was an important official. And, and, and it's interesting because he's on his way to worship. Now, this is very important because he goes to worship, which indicates that this is a follower of the one true God. Uh, he believes, hey, God is the God of Israel. That's the God. I'm going to worship. But what we know about Judaism, he would not have been allowed to become a Jew because he had been castrated. And, and Deuteronomy talks about, Deuteronomy 23 talks about, you, would, you were not allowed into the temple. But yet he still went to worship out of obedience. He said, I'm going to go. And, and he is in charge of the treasury. So this is a man that is really trusted to handle uh, the queen of Candace, which is not her real name, but her dynastic name, which shows that she is royalty. And this is the guy that's in charge of all the cash. So he is very respected very trusted. And Luke is not being crass here in, in articulating that he's a eunuch. He's saying this is an important guy. And it's important for us to understand because so often we would see somebody that, oh, they're too important. I can't go talk to them. But Philip's like, no, I got to go. And, and he runs alongside. And, 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 the, and the, the picture here, as you look at what, what the scripture says, is he says, um, Verse 28, um, he was returning, seated in, in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. 
So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. So this would be like you're cruising down 96th Street with your windows down, okay? And maybe you shouldn't read while you're driving probably, but, um, but he was reading out loud, which was customary. And, and so Philip's like, hey, dude, what you reading? You know, so he's running. It's kind of awkward, right? I mean, that would be like, what's up, man? How you doing? Uh, and he's like, what are you reading? He's just jogging along beside him. You know, Philip didn't say, man, he's too important. I can't go talk to him. Or, hey, God, he's still going. Why don't you stop him, and then I'll go talk to him. No, run beside him. So he's like, okay. So he's in shape, I guess. And so he runs up. He's like, hey, do you know what you're reading? And that's an interesting question. You know, sometimes it would be you could see somebody reading the Bible and go, oh, you, you probably already know, so I'm going to go on and go to someone else. We may be at work with somebody. Oh, they've mentioned Jesus before. They say they go to church, so I'm not going to speak up to them. But Philip didn't like, make any excuses. What did he do? He went and said, hey, I want to talk to you. See, as believers, we've got to get ready to show up. But point number two today, we've got to get ready to speak up right? Because it's not just about showing up, it's about speaking up. And and it's interesting as he was reading this text, uh, let's look at the passage he was reading in in verse 32. He's uh, he's reading out loud, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And Philip's like, hey, hey, do you know what that's about? And he was like, no, I don't know. I don't know what it's about. And Philip's like, hey, I got to tell you. I got to tell you what that's about. I got to tell you what the, what the Bible says, what, what the Old Testament says. That's Isaiah 53. Now, we look at that and go, oh, yeah, Isaiah 53. That's the suffering servant. That's the prophecy about Christ coming to earth. But this Ethiopian had no clue that that's what it was about. But Philip was eager. Oh, i got to tell you about this. Because, look, I saw that. That happened in our day. Hey, you got to hear this. This was Jesus. He was like a sheep led to the slaughter, like a lamb before his shear. When Jesus went to the cross, he was silent. He didn't open his mouth. And that's amazing because in that moment, as Jesus was on the cross, he could have called ten thousand angels and in my mind i picture those angels in heaven because when an angel shows up in scripture what do they always say hey don't be afraid and i can imagine those angels as they watch those roman soldiers punching jesus in the face spitting on him going "Ooh, i want that one i'll take him jesus call us right now oh, call us jesus and we'll come and we'll take care of those dudes real quick But Jesus was silent. He didn't call 10,000 angels. He went to the cross. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. He he went to the cross, took our pain. He didn't deserve it, took our sin. He, He didn't cause it. And then he says, who can describe his generation? For his life is taken from Philip's like, i got to tell you what Jesus did. You see, he was ready to speak up. And he said, 
let me tell you what you're reading. And, and you know, when, when, when I think about us, when I think about our call as believers, here, you and I are called to be witnesses. We're called to speak up. And, and folks, it's important that we get ready. It's important that we get ready to share the gospel with people. And I love how Philip was able to walk in and hear this and say, look, I know what the word of God says, and let me tell you how it connects to your life. Let me tell you something. It's up to us. We, we are called by God to get ready to share the gospel. You know, salvation starts with God. Don't miss that. But God calls us to speak up. And folks, we've got to get ready for that. We've got to develop the ability to understand God's word and communicate it. Communicate how people can be saved. So, you know what's important for us? It's important that we, that we understand the scriptural path to salvation. Philip didn't have the New Testament. We're, we're going to get into Saul as, as Saul comes to Christ in, a, in the next couple of weeks. You don't want to miss that because Saul became Paul who wrote the book of Romans. And can I challenge us with something? Can I challenge you to, to develop the ability to, to, to communicate the biblical path to salvation? It's called the Romans Road. You know what the Romans wrote is? You got to memorize this. Write these verses down and, and memorize it. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's the fact that, that every one of us have sinned. Every one of us have made mistakes. We've all fallen short. It's a level ground at the foot of the cross. Every one of us have sinned. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us, that God loves you so much, he, he didn't just say it, he showed you, he demonstrated his love for you by willingly going to the cross, like Isaiah 53, what this Ethiopian was reading, this suffering servant, he came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself, and Romans 5, 8 so powerfully says, God demonstrates his love for you, that even though you were a sinner, even though Jesus knew you were going to rebel against him, you were going to be ungrateful, you were going to ignore his voice at times. He still came and died for you. And then Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And I will never forget as a boy walking upstairs, talking to my mom and saying, Mom, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. My mom took the Bible out and showed me Romans 6.23 and says, Chris, it's time, I think it's time for you to receive the gift of salvation. It's a gift I didn't deserve. It's a gift I didn't earn. But it's a gift that God will give me the moment I trust him. And I said, Mom, how do I trust him? What does that look like? And she said, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And see, I want to challenge us to develop this ability to, to open God's word and walk through the Romans road with somebody. We need to memorize this. We need to have it on our heart. We need to be able to articulate it immediately. Folks, it's time to get ready to speak up. And part of that preparation is learning the Romans road. Another part of that preparation that, that will help you get ready to speak up where you live is, have you ever written out your testimony? I want to challenge you to write out your testimony. You know, we've been doing that as a new members class, and it's been incredible because um, just 
a few months ago, uh, our good friend Joe, right, right over here, she, she was in that class writing out her testimony, and she realized, you know what, I don't really have a testimony. As we sat down and said, okay, to write out your testimony, you can just simply do this. What was my life like before I met Christ? And I would challenge you on one piece of paper, write out your testimony. Ask yourself that question. What was my life like before I met Christ? Well, what, how did I come to meet Christ? How was it that I became a believer? How was it that I met Christ personally? What difference has it made in my life since coming to know Christ? And folks, I'm telling you, if we get to the point where we can say, look, I can freely share with somebody what my life was like before I met Jesus. I can tell somebody how I came to faith in Christ. I can communicate the difference Jesus has made since trusting him. Folks, we got to get ready to be able to say on a moment's notice, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me share with you my testimony. And we've got to recognize that the people around us, they need to hear the story of Christ in our lives. It is not an imposition. It is not an offense, though it may be offensive. Folks, we have got to communicate what Jesus has done in our lives. Write your testimony. Memorize the Romans road. And then I love it how Philip right here, he started the conversation. He started the conversation. Look at this. He, he went up, and, and he started this, starts this conversation. Let me talk to you about it. And, and he shares the gospel, and he, and he gets in his chariot, and, and, he, and they're riding along. And he's like, oh, my goodness, this is about Jesus, and this eunuch's life has changed. He recognizes, and it's so significant, this one who was outside the temple, who was not allowed to go in, not allowed to convert, recognizes that no matter who he is, no matter what has happened in his life, no matter what he's done, the forgiveness of Christ is more powerful than his sin. And he comes to trust in Jesus, and his life is changed. And I love what he says in verse 36. He says, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He's like, I got to follow through. I got to get this done. I got to walk with Jesus. And, and he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This guy's like, I'm ready to get it done. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's follow through with this. And that's what he does. And his life has changed. And, and the scripture says, verse 39, when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. Can you, okay, you got to think about this for a second. Imagine the scene. He's baptizing him. I mean, he goes down. They have this incredible conversation. The scripture says that he went down in the water and came back up, and the spirit carried him away. The, the word here is like snatched. A lot of theologians believe that he was, they don't know what to do with this. It is likely that Philip was like gone because it says right there the next verse, but Philip found himself in Azotus. You know that that is 20 miles away from where they were. Okay, so this is one of those instances where I don't know how Jesus did it. If it was beam me up, this is where like Scotty got his idea, beam me up, Scotty, but he just boom, gone. 
And what's interesting is the, the Ethiopian just said, that's cool, I'm going away rejoicing at what happened. It almost like it didn't surprise him. Now, folks, I've heard people go, oh, that's silly. Let me tell you something. If Jesus can rise from the dead and conquer the grave, that is no problem, okay? Moving somebody 20 miles is not a problem. Folks, the point is God is at work here. God is at work in this situation. And, Philip, and, and we know about, um, we, we think the, that, that this Ethiopian, historians, Irenaeus, he, he says that he went into Ethiopia and became one of the most effective missionaries that they had ever known. And this is a moment that God moved. But what about, what about people at your work? As we're obedient to the Lord and as we speak up, what, what if God is inviting you to lead one of the greatest missionaries known to some region to Christ that you work next to? You know what I, what's amazing about what we get to do here? I meet people that say, yeah, I work with people from all over the world. One of our leaders, our, our church council, Brandon Reisinger, leads worship. He talks about he works with people from all kinds of different countries at Phillips, ConocoPhillips. We have engineers that go all over the world. And folks, we are called to speak up. We got to show up. We got to speak up. Because all around us are people that need Christ. And what if God is going to use you to lead someone to Christ that becomes the next Billy Graham? Man, don't you want to be attentive? Don't you think it's important for you to show up and speak up? You know, as I was, pre as I was preparing this message, I kept thinking about Greg Lee. Greg was, I met Greg in the seventh grade. And Greg was, um, we just, I just liked him. And in seventh grade, we played basketball together in the eighth grade and, and ninth grade. He was on the B team. I was on the A team. He was always on the bench. I got to play, which, but he, we were good friends. And he was on the famous game in, in Moore, Oklahoma, when Bryant Van, you remember Bryant Van? Bryant Van, I played against him. He played for OU. In the ninth grade, he could dunk. And he was the only ninth grader I've ever known that could dunk at that point in my life. And, um, we're in this game, and he dunks on us, and I, he stole the ball from me and dunked on us, and Greg was on the bench and stood up and cheered with the whole bench when we got dunked on, and our coach made everybody run because you're not supposed to cheer when somebody dunks on you. Okay, we learned that, but it was so cool. We've never seen that before. Greg was a dear friend. Our senior year of high school, we, we went to different high schools. He went to Westmore, and I stayed at Moore, and we were dear friends and I'll never forget one Wednesday night as a senior my brother who was my youth pastor preached a, a message about hey look we got to share the gospel with people in our lives we go on mission trips but do we go to our friends and it dawned on me that you know what I took Greg to church I brought him to revivals he knew I was a Christian. He, 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 we were friends. We hung out all the time. But I'd never sat down and said, Greg, can I talk to you and, sh and just talk to you about Jesus? Do you, have you trusted Christ? 
I've never done that. And this is my, one of my closest friends since the seventh grade. That Thursday, I couldn't get him off my mind. So I drove to 104th and Western in Oklahoma City. He was working at Buchanan's. And I walked in the door and I said, hey man, um, I was nervous. I was so nervous. But he was one of my best friends. Well, I was like, why am I nervous, Lord? And I walked in, I said, hey, when are you off? He goes, I got a break in 15 minutes. I go, I'll be at 7-Eleven. I, I got to talk to you. He's like, all right, man. He leaves, comes to 7-Eleven. I had an icy for him. I sat there in my brown Chevy Cavalier, 1984. It was a great car. And I was sitting there, and I said, Greg, man, I just got to ask you, have you trusted Christ? You know, I've been around you for years, but I got to ask you, do you know if you'd go to heaven? He goes, man, I'm not sure. And right there in my Chevy Cavalier at 7-Eleven, I got to pray with one of my best friends. And he's walking with the Lord today. And, and his brother comes to Christ and was one of my interns at First Baptist Ada when, when he was in college. And, 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 and he's got another couple brothers that haven't yet trusted Christ. But, but this, this friend of mine that I love, to faith in Christ. And I got to be there. I'm so glad. Folks, we got to show up. We got to speak up. We've been silent about our faith far too long. And we got to remember that those in our lives need As you're sitting here today, maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you came to church today because your mom's blowing you up and saying, you got to come to church with me. It's Mother's Day. All right, Mom, I'm going. But today, you're realizing, you know what? I've not trusted Jesus. And you could come to faith in Christ today. Maybe as you're sitting here, there's someone in your, at your work. Maybe it's a family member you're going to see today. Maybe it's a neighbor that you've been silent far too long. Maybe you need to come and just pray for them. Let's show up. Let's speak up.